All right. Well, uh, so we have already gotten going, but here we go. Just one, one more step into our worship this morning. And um, hey, I, I got to give some people some credit here. Um, your Horizons worship team has probably had to make the most shifts and transitions in all of this season and has yet showed up for worship to lead you and to open your heart into worship every Sunday in one way or another, regardless of the circumstances and the barriers and everything going on. So um, I just have to praise God for everything that they have given of themselves under David's leadership and, um, and thankful for that. So praise God for that. The, the, yes. And if you are online, I hope that you were just like, like, someone just scored the winning point, right? Like, boom, there it is, because it's true. So, um, oh, so I, I forgot my little, uh, my little doggy bag here, but um, it's the Love Like That box. And um, if you're in person with us this morning, we couldn't quite arrange this in your home, but you probably sat down on a pack of gum. Now, it is not because we believe that your breath is terrible and you forgot about, well, no, because you've got a mask on, so you know. Um, but it is because um, in that Love Like That box, every week there's something that kind of applies and really uh, con- helps us connect with the world outside of just thinking about it and agreeing it's a good idea. And so that gum is all about being approachable today. And so uh, take that to the bank when you think about other people coming up to you. Do they get a wave of goodness or a wave of yesterday's dinner, right? Um, so, um, so it's about it being approachable. Also in that box, you're going to see that there is a second all-church mission that we're going to be a part of. And this is, I think, so cool. But we are going to pull together all these $5 gift cards. So um, we want to invite you to just go out and get some. There's some instructions for what kind. And to go and, and get these $5 gift cards. And then we're going to present them to... We have a school partnership in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we're going to present these gift cards to those staff at that school and all the supporting staff and just encourage them in an incredible way to say, hey, we see you and we know it has been hard for you and keep doing what you're doing because it matters. So um, that's starting here. We're starting to collect those and we would love for you to be a part of that mission. It's so simple, yet it will have a profound impact. Okay, so approachability. When I was in eighth grade, I had a goal to finally make the boys' basketball team. Okay, now, I was not good at basketball. In fact, I, I, am, I have gotten worse. It's degenerative in my blood. <laughs> I'm terrible at basketball. But I, I thought, you know what, if I work really hard, maybe I've got a shot. So we're going through tryouts, and, you know, I mean, like, it's whatever. And, um, and finally, there was this moment where our coach uh, in these trials was trying to get us to really like learn to communicate on the on the floor and the court place and um, and so it was really like saying so he wanted to teach us this thing where if we were open we were to stomp one foot and and go ball okay so that's what we were supposed to do and so he's doing that and then like he's like okay now do it with me and no one else was ready but like he's like and then I went ball and it was just like in the movies. Like, I was the only one out of like 70 kids who said ball. And the coach said, who was that? 
I need your name. Write his name down. And I was like, this is it. I made the team. Like, I'm on my way. Um, and I felt so good about that moment because I was like, yeah, but um, as it turns out, that was the height of my tryout. <laughs> and um, they had a special team for people with my basketball skills called the C team, um, lovingly known as the farm team. And so um, we got to travel, um, you know, in this old bus and go play all the like rural schools that had just like one classroom still. And we'd always lose. They were so good, you know. They're used to the farm work and anyhow. Um, so that, that's where I landed in my uh, eighth grade basketball tryouts. Um, but I thought I had it. Now, there's a lesson in there that we're going to apply to this morning. So um, this is the third week of Love Like That, and it is all about learning to love like Jesus. And this is important because when we think of who Jesus is, and we read about who he was, and then who Paul tells us what, how he was, we look at Jesus, and sometimes he is so far out of reach, and it's impossible. Like, it may be even arrogant for us to say, like, who would we ever to be to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be like the savior of the world, right? Um, and yet, when we kind of start dialing in, and we talk about Jesus' love, and then we start looking at different aspects of his love, then we start to see that this is actually something we've been created for, and it is actually possible for us to let our love be like Jesus. So it's ultimately for us, it's learning how Jesus was in Scripture, learning how he is now, and literally following him, like, um, like emanating him, like, uh, like just repeating and, and, and copying the things. So that way, we, our love, uh, the way we treat others, the way we are in the world, looks like Jesus. That's the whole thing about this. And um, it was, so w- the ultimate goal is that um, and this is true beyond this series, is that people should start to get a pretty clear idea of what Jesus is like based on being around you. So kind of like Karen's note earlier about uh, telling where our priorities are, let me, let me you know, kind of flip that a little bit. Can people start to get a pretty clear idea of who Jesus is when they're around you? Now listen, I'm just, I'm in the same circle here, and there are some days where I'll be like, yeah, and, um, and many, many other days where I'm like, probably not, and I'm, I want to do better than that. I actually want people to say, you know what, like, if, if church or being a Christian or following Jesus, like, feels like being around you, then maybe I can do this. That's what I want. I want to be this great big open door. And so, um, ultimately, what we know is that when we love like Jesus, the greatest good happens for the world around us and for us. The greatest good happens when we practice Jesus' love. So it's absolutely worth it. So um, we're looking at five different aspects of Jesus' love. Last week, we talked about being mindful and how Jesus was mindful and calling us to see people and see our surroundings. And today, it's approachable. So if you think about these aspects, like as a pastor even, I have not thought about Jesus' love in these aspects. And so this is like absolutely mind-blowing for me. And I'm just loving it. Like I've loved all of our teaching series so far this year. They're all available, by the way, on our online content, YouTube, Facebook. They're all there. Go to our website, horizons.church. There's so much good content that the Lord has laid before us in this year. 
And so when it's, we're talking about mindful, it's about seeing out. It's like, you know, like sending the radars out and like, who do we see and who are they and what's truly going on in their lives. When we talk about approachable or being, being approachable, we're talking about the, the letting in, like um, how high are our walls and how, how able are people to come in beyond those walls. So Jesus is incredibly approachable. And in all of the Gospels, in all of his ministry, he's just, he's just there and present. For example, when um, this is one of his most famous examples, Jesus is kind of hanging out, and the parents are like, hey, let's bring our kids to Jesus and, and let Jesus bless them. And as the kids are coming, the disciples are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, do you never realize, like, uh, he's got big things to do, like, hold your children like you know he's got sick people and adults and and Jesus is like whoa, whoa, whoa no let the children come to me the smallest the least significant let them come to me for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these so Jesus was just approachable in addition to that um, one time there was a blind beggar sitting on the road that was his title according to scripture and um, and he hears that Jesus is coming and so he just starts like son of David son of David have mercy on me and um, and this was like he was a really good beggar because everyone around him kind of despised him and so they were like like, dude pipe it down and um, and I love this so Jesus is getting kind of closer and this guy is not letting off and finally, like, like everyone's like, should we just like quiet him? And, and, and Jesus says this, bring him to me. So they bring the one who was loud and obnoxious and always asking for money. They bring him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? That's approachable. And then there's a, 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 a guy who is um, paralyzed from the neck down, we understand. And even when Jesus wasn't physically um, accessible, uh, he was always available. And so um, Jesus is hanging out in one of the Pharisees' houses, and, um, and, and there's crowds all over. No one can get in, so he's not very accessible, right? But the friends of this guy who's paralyzed, uh, you know the story. They put him in a cot. They somehow get him on top of the roof and start like, like hammering through the roof, and they lower him down. And Jesus, in this beautiful way, just receives him. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and get on out of here for your new life. There's also another time when uh, there was a woman who was sick, and she had this uh, particular infirmity for 12 years. And there's, again, there's a crowd around Jesus, so not very, like, physically accessible. But she's like, I know, in her mind, she's like, I know that I am not worthy of this. I know I'm a nobody and I don't deserve this message or whatever, but she's like, if I can just touch the corner of his cloak, maybe I'll be healed. And so she finally kind of meanders through the crowd and she finally finds that moment where she just, boom. You know, and immediately, I love this, like Jesus wants to know. Not because he's like, oh, who stole, who stole some of my good, right? Like, you know, he's, he's throwing shade on me. He's like, he's like, I want to know who needed this and who had the faith to believe. And the disciples are like, 
Jesus, are you kidding me? Like, there's like a thousand people around you, and you want to know who touched you? <laughs> like, we all did. Everyone, raise your hands. And, and finally, Jesus is face to face with this woman, and she's terrified. But Jesus wants this moment to acknowledge, and he says, You're healed. Your faith has healed you. There's a leper. And lepers represented the unclean of the unclean, according to the Jewish customs and traditions and laws. And so if you, were, if you had leprosy, you, you traveled in an outcast circle, and the, all the lepers just hung out by themselves. You didn't touch them, you didn't come near them, because you could get sick, and um, also you would be ceremoniously unclean, so you'd be kicked out of the temple until you had to go through this process and present yourself and be um, verified clean again. And so nobody went by these people. There was a leper who asked for Jesus' mercy. And Jesus, without restraint, without restriction, without fear or hesitation, walks up, makes himself ceremoniously unclean, and, and even perhaps puts himself in risk of a disease and is, is approachable to him and offers him healing. Just incredible stuff. So then we also have uh, people like Nicodemus. Nicodemus was actually one of the Pharisees who, during the day, was trying to bring Jesus down and hold him accountable and you know, find a way to end his life. But by night, Nicodemus was curious and wanted to know a little bit more, so he snuck through the dark alleys to where he knew he could find Jesus so that he could ask some questions without getting caught or judged or you know, anything like that. And Jesus should have been like, you coward, like you, by day you're tearing me down, but you, you want some answers? So instead Jesus is like, let's talk, Nicodemus. I love you. Peter. Peter had a, a kind of up and down ministry with Jesus. One moment he was walking on water, the next moment he was drowning. One moment he was like, like being called the rock of the church. The next moment he was being referred to as Satan. And then, you know, one moment he's like sitting next to Jesus and getting his feet washed. And then the next moment he's denying that he even knows Jesus three times. And like the, the, there was this bitter end while Jesus' ministry was present. And it was um, then after, in John's gospel, Jesus comes back and they're all like gathered around him on the beach and they're eating fish on the, around a fire. And Jesus has this incredible moment of approachability where Peter is just like, I mean, still probably just beating himself up. and like, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. Like, I have let my Lord down and I, I made all these terrible mistakes and now he's just going to be like, Peter, whatever, just go. Instead, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? And it wasn't, Jesus wasn't saying, Peter, I love you. He was saying, do you love me? Because it was obvious that Jesus loved him, but he wanted to hear Peter and give Peter a chance to hear himself say, I love you, Lord. And each time Peter confirmed it, Jesus would say, as he received him, he said, go feed my sheep. You're still on, buddy. You're not going anywhere. I know you messed up. I know it hurt. And we'll talk about you for thousands of years from now in that one moment, but go feed my sheep. You got this. I love you. Go love my people. He was approachable. The list continues. The Roman soldiers were the despised because they actually killed the Jewish people. And yet a Roman officer comes to Jesus and says, my daughter's sick. And Jesus says, hey, look, this guy gets it. The faith of this guy is greater than so many others I've seen. He 
was approachable. There was a Gentile woman, and she's like, hey, help me out. And he's like, no, Jews first. And, and then she goes, but even the dogs will eat the scraps under the table. And he receives her. Jesus was approachable. Now, here's the thing, though. At first glance, this mostly looks like approachable being really accessible, right? Like, like Jesus is always present, and he never had a long line or other more important things to do. He was just right there. But at a deeper level, on a deeper level, it wasn't just that Jesus had an open schedule and a low security detail. It was that Jesus had open arms and a high detail for empathy, for empathy, a willingness and a desire to walk with people in their pain, in their struggles, and whatever is going on in their lives. That's behind, that's underneath of every one of those stories. And we have to look at it a little closer to see it. But look what Jesus says about himself as an invitation, demonstrating this very core of approachability. Matthew's gospel, Matthew is the only one to record this, so it's good that he was paying attention. In chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he records Jesus saying these things. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. See that approachability? And he sees them. So he's saying everyone, because raise your hand if you're not feeling a little bit burdened and uh, weary right now, right? Like, because I want to know you and tell me about your life. Um, he's saying, everyone, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, if we follow up with this, this, uh, this notion here that Jesus is talking about, is that uh, we are walking around in this world, and we, like oxen, according to this analogy, are pulling the cart all by ourselves. And so we've got a single yoke on us. That's the, the wooden thing that would be around our necks, right? And that's the burden. That's the weariness around us. And Jesus is saying, hey, come to me. I know, I know that's too much for you. And he takes off, he takes off the yoke. And then he puts a double yoke on. And he puts it on. And then he says, hey, come right here. Get in this yoke. All right, now let's go together. Let's do this together. I'm going to pull the weight of your burdens. I'm going to walk right next to you, and we're going to do this together. And so we're still yoked, like we are still right there with Jesus, but suddenly as we take that next step, we're like, oh my gosh, I kind of feel bad, like I, he's doing all the work. Next thing we're like hanging on, like, <laughs> right? Because um, he's walking right with us. That's approachability, friends, you're starting to get it here, that it's more than just accessible, more than just available, it's a deeper reception. It's a deeper reception. Now, Peter would say the same thing about this in his first letter to the church in exile, scattered all around and being persecuted in all sorts of ways, is reminding those who are feeling persecuted of the example that Jesus set. And he's saying, hey, 
We need to be like Jesus in this time. And he says, remember that he himself, this is chapter 2, verses tw- verse 24 of his first letter, 1 Peter, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. It's a reception. John the Baptist, very early in Jesus' ministry in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29, said, Look, as Jesus just starts on the scene, he says, Look, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. He receives it. He receives it. So you remember that basketball story? When I told you I almost made the B team? Here's the problem. Yeah, ball! Here's the problem. I might have been able to figure out how to make myself available to receive the ball. But the problem was what happened when I had the ball. Because I didn't handle it very well. I didn't receive it. Right? Like, if you handed me the ball, like, it was like just passing it to the other team. Um, You could, like, stuff me easier than, like, trying to trip me. It was incredible. I don't know how that works. Like, how are you supposed to get the ball up there? Um, But it didn't go well. I did not receive, I did not do well with the ball when I had it. So clearly, I wouldn't have been a very good asset to the team. But ultimately, what we see about Jesus and his approachability is a deeper sense of presence. Let's look at this definition that we've put together here to give you an idea. You see, Jesus' approachability was a deeper reception of willingness and ability to receive and hold the entirety. I love how it says that the entirety of those who came before him. So Jesus had this willingness and this this ability to receive whoever came before him, to to let them come before him, and then to hold everything that we're going on, the entirety of whoever came before him. And meaning Jesus saw every single bit of that person. He saw all their failures, all of their hopes, all of their selfish moments, all of their doubt, all of their fear, everything. And yet he held it. And then, just like he says, now take this yoke, let's do this together, Jesus was approachable in the way that he was willing to take on, to take on himself whatever we are going through. To take it on himself. That's what it means to be approachable. And Jesus did this to his enemies. He did this to anyone, especially enemies, especially people who he was not supposed to. He was approachable to them. So what does it mean for us? How do we become approachable in this way? Well, I want to let you know it's a two-step process for us. And the first of those two steps is first that we must become humble. You see, when we talk about being approachable, humility is an openness that lacks pride and fear and agenda. As an openness 
It's, it's us beside all of those different things. And I would even say, uh, when we talk about pride, to really emphasize defensiveness. All right? Fear has a way of building high walls. Peer, no, uh, pride. That's what pride has a way of building walls to say, I will not let anyone in. I will not let myself be critiqued. I will not let myself ever, ever slip from the image of who I believe I need to be in order to be okay. So humility is this openness that puts all of these things beside and then sets us up in this mindset of humility. Now, what I love about the word humility is it comes from the Latin word, and the root of it is humus or hummus, ultimately meaning of dirt. So humility means of dirt, which means lowly, which means to, it, it's at the bottom. It's often unthought of or undesired. To be of dirt was to be humble. And Jesus, as, uh, as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 2, lowered himself below to be the servant of mankind. Jesus was a humble servant to the greatest degree. So this wasn't just for us to be like dirt. This was the example, again, that Jesus set, humility. So when we think about humility in this step one, the reason why it's important is because of what it does in the grander scheme of things. Jesus, in John's gospel again, this is chapter 12, Jesus is getting pretty close to his, his death, and so this is right before he washes the disciples' feet. Um, he's, at, he's in Jerusalem, he's at one of the festivals, and he shouldn't be there because people, they're like, he's within graft now. And, um, and people are wanting to see him, and he stops and he says, the hour has come, like my time has come. And he says, very truly, this is John 12, 24, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So what you need to know in this is that Jesus is actually the seed in his own, in his own metaphor here, in his own parable. Okay? He is the seed and is referring to himself needing to die but that it was good because if he wouldn't perform this, then he would stay just a seed. But if he would, then the message, the hope, the, the love of Jesus would grow. And he was using this for us to also, like seeds, be willing to die. But in that moment, Jesus was the seed, and he was speaking about the soil upon it, within which he would die. And Jesus, when he gives himself to us. He makes himself available to anyone who will receive him. Ultimately, anyone who will be like soil to receive his seed. To be humble enough to let him within us that he might flourish and grow us, and bring us to life. So we're to be humble like this soil. See, uh, if you think about it this way, when we are like soil, the seed, it says, Jesus says it comes to die, but ultimately the seed being able to be planted in that soil begins to let go, finally let go to open up, 
The soil causes that, is the only thing that allows that, so that the seed then may actually start to germinate and grow and, and finally produce many seeds. And the soil isn't just causing it to die. The soil is actually giving itself of its nutrients, of its climate and environment for this seed to flourish. So in that metaphor, when we receive others as dirt, as humble people, as humble servants, then we are receiving so that others may be planted in our soils and be enriched by our nutrients and given life to let go, to fall apart, and to start to grow and come back to life again. That's what it means to be approachable. Step one is to be humble enough to receive other people. Last week we said, I see you, and now we say, now come here and let me give you a COVID hug. That's, that's a joke. Um, but come here. And then step two, we hold, we walk with, and we join. Look how Paul instructs us. Romans, letter to the Romans, the famous letter. Chapter 12, Paul's wrapping it up. And he says, so here are your instructions, friends. This is how you receive others. This is how you're going to be approachable. Walk and join with others. Look at this. this is verses 13 through 18. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Now, the Lord's people, by the way, sometimes we kind of draw that and say, oh, yeah, that's the church. The, I don't know if you knew this, but God created all people. So they're all, so it's anyone who has need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So when we talk about this, we are humble enough to actually let people in, to get beyond the walls, to let them in, to bring them in, and to bear hug them with our hearts. And then we join them and we walk with them. If they have need, we join them in their need. If they are mourning, we join them in their mourning. We take on their mourning and we mourn with them. If they are rejoicing, we rejoice with them. And we have joy with them. We celebrate. Ultimately, then, Paul says those are two examples, but it's ultimately living in harmony, syncopating our lives, synchronizing our lives with those we are receiving. That's what it means to be approachable, to synchronize our lives. This is out on your, if you're following along in worship outline, being approachable is joining others, even our enemies, this is the most painful, difficult thing in all specs, aspects of their lives, that harmonizing. And to begin to join them, we also need to receive them by overcoming. So to be able to receive and hold others, we must overcome. And, and Paul mentions this. He says, so don't repay people for, with evil. Do not be conceited. Do not get angry. He's saying you've got to overcome your pride. You've got to overcome your fears of being hurt, your agendas, and your resentments. 
If you have unforgiveness, you have to offer forgiveness in the ways that will allow you to actually receive someone else. So you think about this. With your own children, are you approachable? When your child has something going on in their lives, can they come to you and will you walk with them in whatever they're going through? Will you mourn? Will you celebrate? With your spouse, with a coworker, a boss, someone who works for you, a neighbor, an enemy, someone on the other side of the family who has done you wrong. Will you be approachable? We were talking to some, um, I would, I'd say some pretty good parents uh, not too long ago, and they said, you know, um, when, when our son kept on, you know, bringing these things to us and kind of kept messing up, we had to learn to not overreact when they were the small things. Because I said, if, if, we, if we could not overreact in the small things, even though we wanted to, like, make everything a big deal so we'd never get to the big things, they said, if we learn to not overreact in the small things, then we could assure that our kids would be more comfortable coming to us with the big things to continue to be approachable. Such rich insight. Are you approachable? Am I approachable? I learned this weekend that I am not always very approachable. <laughs> My wife's here. Did you hear that? <laughs> Because approachable even means letting people give you insight into your own shortcomings. If you've got that mastered, come talk to me. I want your autograph. Are you approachable? When we are, we give life. And that is the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So next week, we're going to be talking about being graceful. And you may think you've got that one mastered, and this is your, like, bye week. You know, you can take off. Um, all of these aspects have just been blowing my mind, so I know you'll stay tuned for graceful. And, um, and keep on digging in. Make sure to bring your $5 gift cards so we can be a mission to those who are serving. And finally, I want to ask you these three questions. These are going to be available on the Version app. If you have been following along, awesome. It's right there. Otherwise, get Version. Dial into Horizons. And you'll see it right there. Question number one, what does being approachable mean to you in your own words? How are you going to describe it when your children ask you? And how has that definition perhaps changed today? Question number two, how will being more, how will, uh, how accessible, excuse me, how accessible and available are you to others? How willing and able are you to receive and hold others and even your enemies to let them in? Finally, question number three, how will being more, or, excuse me, how does the Holy Spirit need to over, if I could read, I could receive the words here, approach me, words, come on. What does the Holy Spirit need to overcome in you to be more approachable? Which of those that I listed that Paul includes? So take these questions, talk about them, consider them, and let them be your next step today. Let's pray. Gracious Holy God, you are so good, and you, you, you put so much in your word, you put so much <clears throat> in your simple actions that invite us into a world of growth, 
of experiencing your love and knowing it and then seeing it actually in action within us, Lord. And so we thank you. We thank you for that gift. And we pray that it does happen in us, Lord. We pray that regardless of how far away or how close we are to you, Lord, that that you draw us near, that you present yourself as the one who loves us the most, who receives us, who sees us. And we ask that we might just reach out to you as you're reaching out to us and be a seed in your soil to die, to let go, and to be brought to new life that we might receive others in the same way and be a part of your life-giving love. Let this be the power of your church. Let this be the light that shines in troubled times. Let this be the truth that is a rock for a firm foundation in a world full of all sorts of stories that are not necessarily true. It is yours, Jesus. Amen.